came in for a mission. The snap. Winston sells the play action fake again. Look sideline. Bay route toward the corner of the end zone. Caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans takes it over the shoulder. This is Buccaneers Total Access. Fire the cannons. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Rely on your ultimate teammate, Frontier. Don't go it alone. Visit Frontier.com slash Bucks. Now live from Hooters, the original wing joint since 1983. Here's your host, Bucks team reporter, Casey Phillips. What's going on, Bucks fans? So excited for another year of Buccaneers Total Access live here from Hooters, brought to you by Frontier Communications. And thanks to everyone for coming out here to Hooters tonight. If you weren't able to make it out tonight, make sure you're here every Monday from now. And this is our one weird hour here from 6 to 7. Normally it's from 5 to 6, but the player's schedule was a little weird. And thankfully, we actually have a player on the line who was willing to take some time out between practice and meetings to talk to us. We have cornerback Vernon Hargraves here with us. Vernon, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks so much for calling. And uh, I know you had that awesome pick six last night. And I, I know that all of you guys are, are such great team players where you're going to say you didn't win. And, and so, therefore, it doesn't matter as much. But um, for you personally, aside from the fact that I know the outcome wasn't what you guys were hoping for, how important was that play for you? Uh, it was a good confidence boost. Um, you know, after not playing all year last year, um, you know, getting one early, uh, that's good for my confidence, good good for the defense and uh you know i was excited about it i was happy about it and uh you know i'm happy that it worked out the way it did that's awesome and and take us through that play and and what was going through your mind and how you were able to make that read so well um well they uh they motioned the backfield uh they motioned the back out of the backfield so i was matched up on the running back and uh you know just kind of read the quarterback's eyes and uh he kind of he kind of took me right to the play um it was a quick three-step throw and i was just sitting there waiting on it and uh you know made the play on the ball and you mentioned the idea of the, of the confidence that that gave you. Where was your confidence coming into this season, especially to that game, after you'd had the, the off season and the, and the preseason there, coming into week one regular season, where was your confidence? Uh, well, it was, it was just more of not knowing. It's a not knowing type of deal, you know, not playing for so long and then finally getting back out there, you, you kind of you don't know what to expect or, or what you should expect. So, um, you know, I was kind of nervous a little bit. I guess that, that's probably the better word for it. Um, kind of nervous out there, but uh, you know, once the first quarter ended, you know, I kind of got back into the rhythm of the rhythm of things, and um, you know, I'm back back to where I left off. What were the things that were hardest to sort of get used to again once you were back out on the, the practice field in a, in a regular capacity and playing in a game? What was the stuff that you did have to adjust a little bit to get back into the normal rhythm of? Um, the biggest thing for me is my diet, uh, just making sure I'm eating right, uh, eating when I'm supposed to eat, and uh, you know, leading up to the game. So, so I'm able to play, you know, at a high level, um, you know, really, really focusing on, on my diet, what I'm putting into my body. Um, didn't really take that too serious, you know, when I first got into the league. But, uh, you know, that changed very quickly. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, just, just getting, getting my body ready, getting my mind ready uh, to, you know, play 70 plays on Sunday. What are the, the other ways that you've grown as a player, maybe the things that you've had to learn over these last couple of years and um, just the ways that either as a, as a person, as a player, the things that you've, you've changed or grown in? Uh, you know, I've learned a lot, learned a lot, you know, played a lot. I had a rough little patch in my career, but I had it early. So, you know, I, I kind of look at that as, you know, kind of a good thing. You know, it taught me a lot. Um, I had to find out kind of who I was, you know, what type of player I wanted to be. Um, especially being hurt where uh, you can't really do much about it. You can't really, you know, you can't play and, and do all those things to, to show what type of player you're going to be. So a lot of waiting, a lot of thinking. Um, had to find out, you know, what I was, what I wanted to be about. And, um, 
you know, had to had to, you know, get through the surgery, get through the rehab and um, you know, keep pushing from there, keep my head on straight and, you know, just, just talking to the guys, talking to my teammates and, you know, just, just trying to stay in it, trying to trying to stay in the in the flow of things and and then now we're here. So, um, you know, I think it all worked out pretty well. Yeah, and it is it's so great to have you back. When when you were on the sidelines, what were the things that uh, you were trying to use that time for and, and the things that you felt like you could try to still learn even though you weren't actually on the field, but being in all the meetings, being on the sideline, what was the stuff that you felt like you could still pick up? Well, you know, just the mental aspect of the game, which is really 50% of the game, uh, just understanding how offenses are trying to attack us, uh, you know, understanding what they want to do in certain situations and things of that nature. I stayed sharp on that, you know, obviously going going to meetings and, you know, watching a lot of games and watching watching a lot of ball actually, you know, helped me out a lot too. I got to see a lot of things, you know, from the sideline, you know, or on TV or wherever it was. You know, got to see a lot of things, got to see what guys do, got to see what, you know, offenses like to do. And, and um, you know, so from that standpoint, I just had to keep my head in it, you know, just can't drift off and, you know, just act like you're not a, you know, a ball player anymore. So you got to stay in it. You got to come out to the facility, see your coaches and, and, you know, go through the install and things of that nature. And um, so the biggest thing was just keeping my head in it and just trying to learn, trying to learn the things that, you know, I really can't focus on when I'm playing, like, you know, learning other positions and, and things of that nature. We're here with cornerback uh, Vernon Hargraves, and I know that now you're essentially the, the elder statesman uh, of, of a lot of those DBs. There's a lot of young guys back there, and even though you've only been in the league, you know, this is your third year, you're, you're already really just so much older than some of the guys out there. Did this sort of force you into more of a, a leadership role than, than you normally would have been at this point in your career? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely, because, uh, you know, I still remember my rookie year like it was yesterday. When I came in, I had, you know, some, some good vets in my room, and they were all helping me out, and... Um, you know, telling me what to do and thinking about it as a rookie, I was like, man, I'm never going to get to to the stage they're at. Like, they, they, it almost seems like they know everything about the game. <laughs> and then now I'm here and I'm and I'm talking to the rookies. Like, uh, you know, they're asking me all the questions that they don't want to ask coach and and things of that nature. So um, that's awesome. You no, know, it's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's, I mean, I like the responsibility. And, that's great. Uh, yeah. And how have you seen them progress as as you've been talking with them? Yeah, we've been playing well. We've been playing good. We're all focused. We're all playing for each other. And I think the biggest thing with us is we're all friends off the field. So, um, you know, it's easy. It's easy when we step on the field, you know, and then there's the accountability factor. You know, we all we don't want to let each other down. And um, I think that also plays a big role into, into what we're trying to do. Another young guy that's being asked to do a lot is uh, Devin White. You know, he's the guy wearing the mic and directing the whole defense. How has he done in that role, and how have you already talked with him about how he's been handling that? I don't even, uh, I don't even consider him a rookie anymore. Honestly, <laughs> he, he's... He's picked it up like he's been doing this for years. Um, you know, I'm really impressed by uh, how he, his command of the huddle, how he, how he can talk to, how he can talk to a 10-year vet like Sue, or how he can talk to another rookie in his class, and and how he can get everything communicated. Um, it's really impressive. It's really impressive to see from a young guy, and I'm excited for him. I'm happy that he's here, and I'm excited to see what his career pans out to be. That's awesome. And, and take us through a little bit of the, the struggles of the short week. You know, part of why we're having you call in is because normally you guys wouldn't be practicing right now, but you got practice and meetings late in the day with the short week. What are the, the biggest struggles as a player of having such a, l- a little amount of time between Sunday and Thursday? Uh, it's just the recovery, trying to get your body back right, you know, after playing a game. Uh, that's, well, I'll say for me. For me, it's, you know, getting my body back, getting my legs back. You know, you're going to be sore. You're sore for a good two, three days after the game. So on that short week, you know, once you're done getting sore, you kind of got to play again. 
And, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing for most guys. You got to get your rest, got to get your sleep. And, um, you know, make sure your, your muscles are all good to go because, uh, you know, you just played, what, less than five days ago, four days ago, whatever it is. So, um, you know, you got to make sure your mind's right, got to make sure your body's right. That's the most important thing. Yeah, and a, a tall order you guys have this week going against that Carolina offense. What are the biggest things that you've already known about them being in their division the last couple of years and then starting to prepare for them this week that you know you guys are going to really have to do? They're, they're a tough football team. They're a tough football team. They're going to grind it out. Um, you know, they're going to run the ball. They've got a great quarterback. Um, you know, he really gets them going. Um, you know, on the defense side of the ball, they got a great defense. Have had it for, for years. So um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tall task for us. You know, we got to come in. We got to we got to be ready to go. We got to be ready to fire on all cylinders. And um, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for the opportunity, and hopefully, we can come out with a W. Most important question. This is our first road game of the regular season, which means I know that the the full road trip swag is coming out from you. <laughs> I know you're a big fashion guy. So tell me for you, do you have, do you have a, quite an outfit plan, and how, how much thought goes into that each time you guys are going to take all those photos out there before you get on the plane? <laughs> well, you know, for me, my little secret, I don't pick my outfit till the day of the game. Till the day, well, till the day we leave. So whatever that travel day is, we come in, we do our morning stuff, and then we go home, and, you know, you can, you know, cool off and get all your stuff ready to go. That's when I pick my outfit. So I'm not, not sure yet, not sure what I'm going to wear. But um, <laughs> I know on Wednesday before we leave. I like it, and I know it's going to be fancy as always. You always pull out all the stops. Well, Vernon, I know you got a meeting in about five minutes. Definitely don't want to make you late. Thanks so much for calling. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, good luck on Thursday. And, again, we're going to have a lot more here from Hooters on Buccaneers Total Access. It's going to be joined by Dave Moore, former Buccaneer, and you hear him every game day with Gene Deckerhoff calling that game. So we're going to have tons from him. More on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Hey there, Bucks fans. Thanks again for being with us here on this Monday afternoon. We are live from Hooters on Hillsboro. We are here every Monday. Normally, it'll be from 5 to 6. Make sure you come on out. You can meet a player each week, get some autographs, photos, all of that. This week's a little different because of the Thursday night game. Their schedule was such that they had practice and meetings overlapping our normal time. But the hero of the day, Dave Moore, is here to save the day to come chat <laughs> some Buccaneers football while the players are all indisposed. So, Dave, thanks so much for being with us. Well, I'm happy to be here. All right. So, I feel like we, we have a lot to talk about from that San Francisco game. Um, you know, the one of the sayings that coach has said over and over since he got here is that he doesn't want the Bucks beating the Bucks, And right. it, it really seemed like that was the story of the whole game. Is, is that how you felt? Yeah. And, you know, the way preseason is now different from years ago is because they carry so many guys through the last preseason game, it, you don't get to see the starters and the starters don't get as many reps as, as you usually get. So it's not uncommon to come out and have a punt blocked and, you know, have some things happen that happened to the Bucks early on. Missed tackles are very common. Penalties are common just because guys haven't gotten the proper amount of reps going into that first game than uh, you really need. But obviously with the rate of injury as high as it is, it's, it's hard to, to pay and start those guys in preseason and play them uh, to get them the reps that they really need without risking injury. So, um, but when you watch the Bucks, really over the last couple of years, it's come down to whether or not, you know, you cannot beat yourself. I mean, we've seen, you know, them drive down the field and penalties and turnovers and things like that, but that's not an uncommon theme throughout the league. Usually um, teams that are good at not beating themselves are, 
you know, consistently making the playoffs every year. Right. So let's, the two elements of the, like you mentioned, penalties and turnovers. So let's, let's start with the penalties. Uh, what what types of penalties did you see of, in terms of what that means? Is it mental errors? Is it just not get like you said, not getting the right. reps? You know, what what were those penalties? Because it's always one thing to say, let's cut down on the penalties, <laughs> and it's like, well, yes, they know they're not supposed to right. be getting penalties. So how do you actually fix that? Well, a lot of it is is understanding the situation. You know, in, in the passing game, if you have a, a you know a seven step drop, you know it's going to be a longer a hold from the quarterback before he throws the ball, and those offensive linemen are doing the best they can to protect the quarterback. So you're inevitably going to have holding calls by the offensive line in third and long situations just by the nature of the play and what has to happen for it to be successful. But then when you get holding calls in the running game, and you know they're, they're a little less acceptable because – you know, if you feel that defender letting up, that means the runner's close. And all eyes from all the side judge, the back judge, the referee are all watching the runner. And if you're close by and that defender pulls away from you to make a tackle, you got to let them go. And they're the ones that, you know, when you get into meetings today and they're reviewing film, that's where the coaches are. That's not an acceptable, you know, type of penalty. Obviously, the holding on kickoff return. You know, these guys get paid to block guys on kickoff return, and they might only play kickoff and kickoff return. So they're doing the best they can to make a block, but you can't reach out and grab a guy or block him in the back or things like that. As far as, like, you know, we saw a couple pass interferences. Um, I think it was uh, Colton Davis that had one uh, in a third and long, and, and that was tough because he's doing the best he can to keep up with the receiver, but the ball was grossly underthrown, and the receiver stopped on him, and he ran into him. And that, you know, it's obviously you don't want any penalties, but you, at least you can understand from a logistical reason a, a why it happened, and, uh, you know, you're going to have those combat-type penalties uh, just when you're competing and, you know, there's a couple of them that weren't really good calls, but you're going to have those. Uh, but in general, when the players go through the meetings and they're they're watching the film, sometimes a coach will be like, you know, Carlton, there's not a whole lot you can do there. But then on another one, you know, offensive lineman, you've you got to know when to let go of the guy. I mean, everybody, honestly, I mean, there, there's a ton of holding that goes on in right. every play, and you, and you see it from the sideline just like we see it. and. Everybody at home watches it on TV, and they can certainly throw the flag from their couch. But, you know, there's a lot of it that goes on. You just have to understand what they're looking for, how they're going to call it, um, you know, and really do the best you can to limit them. Yeah, I think I remember Jason Witten saying that he, you know, I hold on every play. Yeah, it's just about yeah. which one they call. There's no question about it. Right. Um, how about, you know, the, the interceptions? That's been a storyline that has been um, – very prevalent around the Tampa Bay area. Everybody knows that that in, in some ways has been what a lot of people have said that Jameis Winston's career sort of hinges right. on of whether or not they're going to extend his contract. And um, they, they, it, they keep using the term decision-making, especially right. with him. So there were three interceptions in the game. Take me through those three and wh- how much you felt like was on Jameis or other people now, especially that we've gotten to hear Coach talk about looking at the film because we don't always know, you know, what they're being asked to do. It's easy to say, oh, you know, Jameis threw an interception, but we never really know where the wide receiver was supposed to be maybe. Right. And, and it, really, when you look at interceptions, there's a lot of things to look at. Number one is the pass protection up front. I mean, you know, there is a – and I, I talk about it a lot during a broadcast, but there is a, a period during – every practice that's called seven on seven. So they eliminate the offensive and defensive line and the quarterbacks at the NFL level, they run say 24 plays. They're expected to complete 20 to 22, 23 of the 24 passes because there's no 
pass rush in front of them. So when you, you know, step back and you look at Jameis purely by the numbers and you're looking at interceptions, you're not taking into account that he's got guys in his face or there's a blitzer or a ball was tipped. And, you know, the first one we were talking about earlier was O.J. Howard. Um, that was just his own defense, and it was a hook right over the ball at 10 yards, and he's coming back to Jameis. And the ball it wasn't a, a poorly thrown ball, maybe off target a little bit, but it's certainly a ball that we've seen O.J. Howard catch that gets tipped up in the air, and then, of course, it's a jump ball for whoever gets it. Um, and then, you know, the one that Sherman took in to the end zone, uh, as a receiver, whether you're running back out there, a tight end or a wide receiver, a hitch route is always at five yards. So sometimes when it's bump and run man-to-man, you have to push it a little bit further, but the quarterback can see that pre-snap understanding the route might take a little longer and he might have to adjust his throw. But if the corner is soft, Jameis is catching the ball in a shotgun, he's rocking and he's throwing to that five-yard spot. So that ball leaves his hands long before the receiver turns around. And when we saw it live, you saw Peyton Barber get a little bit deep on his route, and if you saw where Jameis threw it, it was really a very good throw on time that if he stops, the ball is going to hit him in the chest, and if he doesn't catch it, it's not going to be an interception for a touchdown going the other way. And then the final one is a screen, and screens are a little bit funky, especially if you're playing from behind because the, the defense is trying to get after the quarterback, understanding that Tampa Bay had to throw the ball to get back in the game, so they have the four pass rushers going, so the guys on the right side, this screen was designed to go to the left, to Dari, and the guys on the right side are supposed to block their guys. Well, they wound up beating uh, the offensive lineman on the right, and the guys on the left, they're only supposed to slow down the defensive lineman and let them go so that they can be the lead blockers on the screen. And what happened was Jameis, in his drop, had a couple guys in his face. If the screen's not open, you're taught to throw it at the feet of the running back. Who's supposed to get the screen? So you don't take a sack. Well, when he turned around, I mean, in the position he was in with three guys in his face, there's no way to throw it to the ground. It's either take a sack or throw it away. And I believe his decision was to throw it in the area where Dari was supposed to be to catch the screen. And because he was falling backwards, it floated and got intercepted. So that was probably not a good decision. But in that specific instant or instance, do you want him to take a sack for a 10 or 11 yard loss? So, you know, if he's going to throw it away, he probably needs to shoot it out of bounds. But there a lot of those things, you know, obviously that's all on Jameis and, you know, some of the decisions maybe to not let it get to that point, throw it away a little bit earlier. But these are all things that they talk about in the meetings on, you know, how to avoid it next time, how to get better. And we talked or we heard Coach Arians talking after the game about, you know, we're going to make the corrections first before they move on to Carolina to make sure the guys understand the things that need to be corrected and why so that moving forward, you know, if they can eliminate a few of those mistakes a game, they're going to gradually continue to get better like they need to. Right. We're talking to radio analyst and former Buccaneer Dave Moore. So now that was sort of an interesting example of how only about one out of those three and even that debatable was, was kind of on Jameis. So right. How would you say if you were to look at Jameis's career? You've you've gotten to see the whole thing now and, and gone to all the games. So how often would you say that it is sort of his decision-making versus other factors, and, and how much would you rate um, what, what he's been able to do and put together if you're looking at his career overall? Well, it's, hard to, it's, it's hard to say that without sitting down and understanding 
you know, what the expectations for certain plays were. I mean, there's certainly been some times where you're looking around, but that, that was not a good decision. And even the result was good. I remember last year he was spinning around and threw a ball up, and Mike Evans caught a touchdown. And, you know, you congratulate him for the touchdown, but you tell him never to do that again because it wasn't <laughs> yeah. a good decision. But then there's also times where, you know, you don't understand what, you know, who was supposed to get open because you hear – in between some of the coaching conversations and, and you read between the lines of what they're saying that maybe there was a miscommunication on the route, maybe it wasn't a right or correct route by the wide receiver, or, you know, the route was coming open, but there was a defender in the face of Jameis, and he tried to adjust the throw, which didn't end in a good result. And, you know, overall, the consistency, consistency thing you know, the, the numbers over time don't lie and, and whether or not it has to do with just him or the the action around him, but it certainly does affect his decision-making and probably makes him more cautious, which if you hesitate at that level, you know, that split second throwing a ball late or throwing it too early is, is going to wind up with an incomplete pass or an interception. So, you know, o- overall we've seen him have tremendous games and we've seen him have the multiple – interception games and you know to put your finger on exactly what it is can probably make you and I a lot of money if we, right. <laughs> you know what I mean but yeah, it's, so let's uh, work on that afterwards yeah. <laughs> um how about the offensive line uh, they they've been a discussion point especially in the preseason they had some some games that were a little hit or miss and um but then they had you know the very opening drive that first Pittsburgh game it was just incredible and then we saw yesterday it seemed like Ronald Jones had some pretty decent holes to run through so how would you rate their game yesterday overall as a unit and I didn't watch the film. I just saw it as we watched it yesterday and talked about it. But I think in the second half, they struggled a little bit with blocking the front four guys for San Francisco. And they have some pretty formidable rushers. You would Bosa now and D Ford and, you know, and, and they were putting some pretty consistent pressure on um, Jameis. And if you look back, you know, with the Bucks back under uh, – uh, Monty Kiffin as a defensive coordinator, the reason that the defense was so ranked so high every year was because they can generate pressure on a quarterback without taking anybody out of coverage to add rushers to put pressure. So if you have four guys that are putting pressure on a quarterback, that means seven guys can drop into coverage and you only have four or five eligible receivers. So really the, you know, the advantage goes to the defense and the coverage and, Obviously, with more guys in coverage, the less area to work, the less guys are going to be open. So Jameis needs to make a decision that much quicker to get rid of the football where you saw in the third preseason game where um, Cleveland had five sacks and four drives against the starters. They were bringing that fifth and that sixth guy to force everybody one-on-one up front. So that means they took a guy out of coverage, which gives you more opportunities down the field. So I think they opened – some holes that we hadn't seen in a long time in the run game. Um, Peyton Barber last year made a lot of things happen on his own, and the protection at times was very good. Um, And I think at times Jameis might have held on to it a little bit longer than he needed to instead of getting to that quick, uh, that check down a little bit quicker. But then, you know, once San Francisco got ahead, uh, the Bucs had a hard time slowing that rush down because, you know, San Francisco understood it was going to be a passing 
game from here right. on out. Yeah. Um, it was good to see Ronald Jones get some, some bigger chunks of, of yardage. And um, I have to imagine for, for confidence purposes, I mean, we heard Vernon say that in his first segment here, that that pick six he got was huge for his confidence coming back. And I, I have to imagine for Ronald Jones that was huge. Was, was that good for you to see? And, and how, how sure. much can we take from that? How much was the O-line? How much was Ronald Jones? I well, guess? no, the O-line did a, a good job. The tight ends did as well. I mean, we saw – uh, some tight ends in the backfield leading up into clean holes that gave him the opportunity to get in the open field. And then uh, it was good to see him stay between the tackles. That was one of the things. And, you know, as a, as a younger runner, you know, when you're athletic and fast enough in college that if you don't see anything, you can fast enough to get around outside and beat everybody at this level, it's a little more difficult to do. But, you know, since his initial uh, preseason last year, he's – obviously gotten bigger, stronger, and we heard great things throughout preseason about how he was playing and how he's matured as a runner. It was great to see him go out and put that to practice. I mean, very much like Hargraves. You know, when you get hurt and you're out of football, yes, you you have the opportunity to kind of see it from a different view and learn the game, but in the back of your mind, you still haven't gotten to that level where you feel comfortable enough that you can be out for a while and then step right back in and be the same level player you were. And, you know, confidence goes a long way. Uh, You know, it's obviously, you know, emphasized when we watch our kickers in general because, you know, confidence makes all the difference in the world, but not just for kickers, but at at all positions. And speaking of that, I was going to ask you, uh, special teams was sort of an interesting um, bit of yesterday. There was a, a blocked punt and, not a whole lot on the return game, but I, I know that when you bring up kickers that that's got to have people happy that Matt Gay has been remarkably consistent from the preseason through yesterday, hit everything he was asked to do yesterday. So um, overall, how would you rate the, the special teams unit as, as a whole at this point? Well, the one big thing you always, as a team, is you don't want to give up big plays on special team. And obviously that block punt doesn't count as a turnover, but it's certainly one that set the tempo for the game. I mean, you know, you work as a – staff, players, as an organization from the minute the season ends the year before to try to start fast in your first regular season game. And then, you know, right after your first offensive drive, you have a pump blocked, you know, that obviously results, uh, well, in three points, which the defense, we haven't really gotten to the defense today, but they they really did a good job because that's tough uh, in those situations. But resulting in points and then overall the rest of it there wasn't penalties in, in uh the, the special teams which was very good um but overall just you know that kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth from a special team standpoint to have a block kick yeah that's a great point and we're about at the halfway point here on the buccaneers total access and we are going to talk about that defense coming up so don't go anywhere we have tons more brought to you by frontier communications this is buccaneers radio Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. What's going on, Tampa Bay? We are so excited to be back here for a whole nother season live from Hooters on Hillsboro. And again, we are here normally every Monday, 5 to 6. We had to mix it up a little bit this week because of the players' weird schedule with the short week. But come on out here in the weeks coming from 5 to 6. You can meet a player, get an autograph, get a photo, hang out with us, ask some questions. It's going to be awesome. And for now, we are joined with radio analyst and former Buccaneer player Dave Moore. Dave, thanks again so much for hanging out with us for this hour. It's great to be here. All right, so we, uh, we, like you said, we hadn't really gotten to the defense yet. We had a lot to talk about. 
with the offense from yesterday's game, but you know the defense was a huge storyline this offseason with Todd Bowles taking over, implementing a bit of a new, different scheme. Um, overall, what have you now seen from whether it's the preseason when we know they're not really showing their hand <laughs> as much, but now that you've at least gotten a regular season game to take a look at that defense, what do you think of the scheme overall, and what are some of the defining characteristics of it that could, that could really help this unit make a, a big difference as compared to the last few years? Uh, that was certainly one of the highlights from yesterday. You know, the Bucks offense on turnovers, you know, you take away the 14 points. I mean, you, if you give up less than 20 points a game, your defense is doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, it's a completely different that's a style of defense that's been in Tampa for, you know, a very long time. They went from the 4-3 to the 3-4, which is a different personnel style, different responsibilities. And uh, the one thing that was fun to watch is they play extremely fast and physical. Um, you saw guys flying around. Devin White did a great job in the middle. It was great to see Levante David back. Uh, Vita Vea was very active in the middle. We didn't get to see him in preseason. And, uh, you know, and, and Vernon Hargraves, I mean, he did a great job of, of reading, and we heard him talk about it earlier, reading the quarterback's eyes, getting a jump. Uh, it was a pretty athletic catch, too. It was high in a way, and he was able to control it stay on his feet and and score a touchdown. But, I mean, that's what you're looking for, the opportunities for turnovers to pressure the quarterback, and and they did a lot of both. And, uh, you know, it it was fun to watch. How do you feel now about this defensive line now that, you know, we've gotten to see it without JPP? And I know that was a big question mark coming in is, I mean, that's that's a big absence. He's a heck of a player. And do you feel like by committee now this defensive line has what it takes to step up in his absence? Yes. And, and, you know, they have Jason Pierre-Paul slotted as an outside linebacker. And last year in passing situations, we would see him stand up as a defensive end, which isn't the traditional uh, style of a 4-3 defense. But he was, you know, big enough, athletic enough, and and played the edge well to do that. So that's where they, they have him. But Shaq Barrett came in and played it. We didn't see him very much in preseason, but was very active yesterday, did a good job. And one of the things that I noticed about this defense is they're very fundamentally sound in their gap controls, meaning you saw San Francisco try to get to the edges. You know, Matt Breed is a very fast running back. Coleman's a fast running back, and they were trying to get to the edges. But both Nassib and Barrett, uh, and even Barrett or um, Levante David at times would run outside and get up the field and force the runner back inside. You know, if that runner gets outside, your entire team on defense trying to make a tackle is behind you. Yeah. So there's nobody left but the sideline and a lot of open field. So if you get up the field and you turn that runner back, now you have 10 guys coming in your direction trying to help you out. And so from a fundamental standpoint, um, they did very well at executing that and prevented the big runs. And they had a little stretch where they opened some holes on the inside, but then the next drive they came back, San Francisco tried to run the same plays, and they were able to shut it down. So they were able to make the adjustments. And you see that chess match over the course of the game. But overall, the the run defense especially was very good. The man-to-man coverage with the young uh, defensive backs was good. Uh, Whitehead, I think he's played well in preseason, and and he came out there yesterday and and led the defensive tackles. Yeah, I was going to ask about the safety position in particular because, you know, unfortunately we've been without Justin Evans for a while now, and um, we're not entirely sure exactly when he'll be back, hopefully very soon. But with him, without him, what are your thoughts on that position? Well, they brought in Darian Stewart, you know, from uh, as an older free agent 
veteran guy to be able to come in, and he was very active yesterday as well. I think Justin Evans will do nothing but strengthen that defensive backfield uh, and make things, you know, easier on the back end. But, you know, MJ Stewart's a guy that can play in the slot. He can play corner, and he can also play that safety position. So uh, I I think overall um, they're going to try to give Justin Evans as much time as they can uh, to make sure he's healthy when he comes back. And how about, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Vernon Hargraves, but um, him, you know, Carlton Davis and Jay Stewart, have we seen them take a leap for that next year, them, them being that second-year group of guys? You right. know, have you seen them take that leap that you sort of hope they do after they, they're not the, the wide-eyed rookies anymore? Yeah, I, would, I believe so. I mean, one game is right, <laughs> yeah. a little bit tough to tell, but, you know, the defense in general um, from a technique standpoint on the outside uh, – Everything that is given up, meaning a receiver catching a ball, for the most part, everything's contested, which means they're in position. It's a good throw, good catch. You're going to have those if, you know, a quarterback and receiver have the time to do that. But uh, I didn't really see guys running wide open. I think one crossing route on a third down, um, Carlton Davis got picked. Um, You know, and and obviously if they know you run man-to-man, they set up all the routes where – they send guys vertical, and the outside guy comes in, and, and they it's called a natural pick, but basically you're picking the defender that's covering uh, the receiver man-to-man, and, and, and they were able to recover from it well. They were open enough to get uh, the catch in the first down, but they didn't give up big plays like we saw at times last year. Um, yes, they gave up some first downs, and that's going to happen, but, uh, but the, you didn't see guys running wide open, you know, from a busted coverage or things like that. So fundamentally – I think the defense, uh, you know, Mike Bowles and, and the entire staff has, has done a really good job with implementing a brand-new system and getting a lot of young guys ready to play and to go play at the level they played uh, yesterday is, is a compliment to him. And they're going to have a, a, tall, yeah, a tall order this week uh, at Carolina. So, I mean, Bucks fans, unfortunately, are very familiar with that Carolina offense playing them twice a year every year, and it just seems to – stick around every year if anything get better so looking at the cam newton christian mccaffrey greg olson you know all the different weapons what do you feel like after seeing this bucks defense for a game how do you feel like they match up with them compared to how they have in in the last couple years well i i think it's going to help having the five guys on the line of scrimmage or around the line of scrimmage uh with corralling cam newton you know that's really was the x factor in the games the bucks didn't play very well is as they try to pressure the quarterback, if, if Cam was to escape, I mean, he would have a field day on the ground, and, and therefore they, you know, trying to spy him and keep guys up close to the line of scrimmage in passing situation, which would leave Greg Olson single covered and some guys behind. Uh, the difficult part's going to be the way they do that zone option uh, with McCaffrey, and he had a, a lot of success yesterday. Obviously, I think he rushed for 125 yards or something. So he's a guy that you're certainly going to have to know where he is without taking your eyes off of Cam Newton. So it's yeah. it's not an easy task. And, uh, you know, if you can limit the big plays by Greg Olson and, and concentrate on stopping McCaffrey, then you're going to have to try to keep Cam Newton in the pocket. He's not nearly as effective as a quarterback uh, when he stays inside the pocket versus when he escapes and creates. And as a former tight end yourself, tell us with Greg Olson, what is it about him that 
we all see that he makes these big plays, that he is so good consistently for such a long time now. What are the nuances? What are the things that he does that really does separate him from so many other tight ends in this league? Well, the scheme offense helps. Uh, when you can run the ball successfully, um, you know, he lines up at the end of the line of scrimmage and acts like he's a blocker. And in any kind of man-to-man situation you get in, if the linebacker's covering the tight end and you're successful running the football, all Greg Olson has to do is step like he's going to block the linebacker's eyes go into the backfield, and then he's fast enough to get away. And then when they split him out and move him around, he's a very good route runner. So he's able to make moves, get a little bit of separation, and then just his size alone, he can shield the defender and make things happen. But he's a guy that really has the ability to get wide open. A lot of it is through play action, um, which gives him the advantage because he can run pretty well. Um, And and obviously he has very good hands. But he's a guy they – move around a lot so they're going to have different guys covering them it'll be a safety on one play it'll be a corner on another it'll be a linebacker on another so they they intentionally put him in situations to try to get matchups and they do it very well if you were to pick a a player or two on our defense that you think will be most important in terms of slowing carolina down offensively who would you say the burden will fall heaviest on well it depends on what aspect of the offense we're talking about because there's there's so many to choose <laughs> you're from. talking about greg olson you know it'll be uh jordan whitehead is going to have to have a big day because he'll be up around the line of scrimmage and if they do choose to run he has to be disciplined enough to believe it's a run and know it's a run before he leaves coverage on a guy like greg olson to give up the big play behind it um but it, you know if you're talking strictly run game it's going to be the big guys up front to eat up the offensive line so that Levante David and um, Devin White can run freely to make tackles because uh, McCaffrey, he's very good at breaking tackles. He's not a real big guy, but he's pretty elusive. And now flipping it to the other side of the ball, Buccaneers offensive line versus the Panthers defensive line, which now has the addition of uh, someone that Bucks fans may have heard of, Gerald McCoy, <laughs> slightly familiar face on the other side of things. How do you feel like that matchup's going to go? Well, you know Gerald McCoy is going to be the first guy off the ball. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. So when you design your plays and you run your plays, you just have to understand that, you know, he's going to be hard to double team. Um, you know, you're going to have to redirect him the best you can. But there, there's a, there, it's a very physical front that they have. You know, they have that tough mentality. Luke Keekley's in the middle of that who's, you know, up among the league leader and tackles every year. And he's very active, very smart. He's able to diagnose plays and beat offensive linemen and blockers to the hole. So it's going to be a physical game. If they want to run the football, they're going to have to show up and be ready to go on a short week. And then, obviously, to make life easier for Jameis, the passing game and protection, they're going to have to somehow be able to, to average that four yards of carry on the ground. So it's going to be hard. It's, it's hard. You know, We heard Vernon talking about it earlier. Uh, it's hard to play on a short week. And depending on how old you are, the older you get, the longer it (laughs) takes you to recover before the Thursday game. So Gerald McCoy's creeping up there at age. Hopefully he's still sore from last week. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think at the end of my career, I I think it was probably Thursday or Friday before I stopped being sore from the game before. (laughs) Basically it was right before kickoff when you stopped. And the younger you are, you get up the next morning, you shake it off, and you go play. So, you know, and there's a lot of guys that are in between. But, um, you know, it's – it's important to take care of your body. You got to do the best you can to you know, get yourself mentally right because those games are long and agonizing mentally because of the, 
you know, the swing back and forth with momentum over the course of the game, but you just have to keep your head down and keep playing. But I think overall the, the Bucks offense will, will do a good job protecting Jameis in passing situations. They'll have to pay attention to where Gerald McCoy is to make sure they have a couple guys getting a hand on him and not leave him one-on-one just because he is so fast off the ball and gets up the field. Yeah, and you, you brought up Luke Keekley and I just am always so fascinated talking to players about him, especially guys on the offensive line, and they'll talk about how they hear him call out exactly what no, they're going to do. Yeah. And I, I just find that so fascinating. What does that do to an offense when they're hearing that happen? <laughs> That's got to be demoralizing. They're like, yeah, that guy's in our huddle. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but really, I mean, it's from guys, you know, with the film study, like when, when you, you know, people sit down and watch a game, but they have it with technology now, you know, as a player, you can pull up every second down for the last four years and second down and three, second down and four, you know, on this hash or that hash. So by film study and game planning, or they also from film pick up tips on if there's a guard that's pulling. You know the guards are 6'6", 330 pounds. They can't have their weight on their hand like they're going to go forward if they're going to make a right turn and pull around the edge. So it's hard to disguise that as a big guy like that. You know, you have to shift your weight so you can be able to move laterally and when you run straight ahead, it's hard to be flat foot and be able to come off the ball on time. So the good linebackers are able to kind of see the tips that are going to tell them where the ball is going. If they see the guard is light in his stance, you know, he's going to know he's pulling. And most of the time it's pulling across the formation. So that's why from watching the film, he can identify where the ball's going. And the problem is the guy responsible for blocking him has to help somebody else first. So by the time he gets there, Luke is already standing in the hole and it makes it very difficult to stop. So um, guys like that, they don't come around very often, um, but when they do, um, they do a lot of damage when they play. He's pretty good. Yeah, that's true. We still have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access, so don't go anywhere. We're going to have more from Hooters here, brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access continues, brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. What's going on, Tampa Bay? We are so excited to be back here for a whole nother season live from Hooters on Hillsboro. And again, we are here normally every Monday, 5 to 6. We had to mix it up a little bit this week because of the players' weird schedule with the short week. But come on out here in the weeks coming from 5 to 6. You can meet a player, get an autograph, get a photo, hang out with us, ask some questions. It's going to be awesome. And for now, we are joined with radio analyst and former Buccaneer player Dave Moore. Dave, thanks again so much for hanging out with us for this hour. It's great to be here. All right, so we, uh, we, like you said, we hadn't really gotten to the defense yet. We had a lot to talk about with the offense from yesterday's game. But, you know, the defense was a huge storyline this offseason with Todd Bowles taking over, implementing a bit of a new, different scheme. Um, overall, what have you now seen from whether it's the preseason when we know they're not really showing their hand as much, but now that you've at least gotten a regular season game to take a look at that defense, what do you think of the scheme overall, and what are some of the defining characteristics of it that could that could really help this unit make a, a big difference as compared to the last few years? Uh, that was certainly one of the highlights from yesterday, you know, the – Bucks offense on turnovers, you know, you take away the 14 points. I mean, you, if you give up less than 20 points a game, your defense is doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, it's a completely different that's a style of defense that's been in Tampa for, you know, a very long time. They went from the 4-3 to the 3-4, which is a different personnel style, different responsibilities. And uh, the one thing that was fun to watch is they play extremely fast and physical. 
Um, you saw guys flying around. Devin White did a great job in the middle. It was great to see Levante David back. Uh, Vita Vea was very active in the middle. We didn't get to see him in preseason. And, uh, you know, and, and Vernon Hargraves, I mean, he did a great job of, of reading, and we heard him talk about it earlier, reading the quarterback's eyes, getting a jump. Uh, it was a pretty athletic catch, too. It was high and away, and he was able to control it, stay on his feet, and, and score a touchdown. But, I mean, that's what you're looking for, the opportunities for turnovers to pressure the quarterback, and, and they did a lot of both. And, uh, you know, it, it was fun to watch. How do you feel now about this defensive line now that, you know, we've gotten to see it without JPP, and I know that was a big question mark coming in. Is I mean, that's a, that's a big absence. He's a heck of a player. And do you feel like by committee now this defensive line has what it takes to step up in his absence? Yes. And, and you know, they have Jason Pierre-Paul slotted as an outside linebacker. And last year in passing situations, we would see him stand up as a defensive end, which isn't the traditional – uh, style of a 4-3 defense, but he was, you know, big enough, athletic enough, and, and played the edge well to do that. So that's where they, they have him. But Shaq Barrett came in and played. We didn't see him very much in preseason, but was very active yesterday, did a good job. And one of the things that I noticed about this defense is they're very fundamentally sound in their gap controls, meaning you saw San Francisco try to get to the edges. You know, Matt Breed is a very fast running back, Coleman's a fast running back, and they were trying to get to the edges, but both Nassib and Barrett, uh, and even Barrett or um, Levante David, at times would run outside and get up the field and force the runner back inside. You know, if that runner gets outside, your entire team on defense trying to make a tackles behind you. Yeah. So there's nobody left but the sideline and a lot of open field. So if you get up the field and you turn that runner back, now you have 10 guys coming in your direction trying to help you out. And so from a fundamental standpoint, um, they did very well at executing that and prevented the big runs. And they had a little stretch where they opened some holes on the inside. But then the next drive they came back, San Francisco tried to run the same plays and they were able to shut it down. So they were able to make the adjustments. And you see that chess match over the course of the game. But overall, the, the run defense especially was very good. The man-to-man coverage with the young uh, defensive backs was good. Uh, Whitehead, yeah, I think he's played well in preseason and, and he came out there yesterday and, and led the defensive tackles. Yeah, I was going to ask about the safety position in particular because, you know, unfortunately we've been without Justin Evans for a right. while now and um, we're not entirely sure exactly when he'll be back, hopefully very soon. But with him, without him, what are your thoughts on that position? Well, they brought in Darian Stewart you know, from uh, as an older free agent veteran guy to be able to come in. And he was very active yesterday as well. I think Justin Evans will do nothing but strengthen that defensive backfield uh, and make things, you know, easier on the back end. But, you know, MJ Stewart's a guy that can play in the slot. He can play corner and he can also play that safety position. So uh, I I think overall um, they're going to try to give Justin Evans as much time as they can. Uh, to make sure he's healthy when he comes back. And how about, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Vernon Hargraves, but um, him, you know, Carlton Davis, MJ Stewart, have we seen them take a leap for that next year, them them being that second-year group of guys? You right. know, have you seen them take that leap that you sort of hope they do after they, they're not the, the wide-eyed rookies anymore? Yeah, I would I believe so. I mean, one game is right, <laughs> yeah. a little bit tough to tell, but, you know, the defense in general – um, from a technique standpoint on the outside, uh, everything that is given up, meaning a receiver catching a ball 
for the most part, everything's contested, which means they're in position. It's a good throw, good catch. You're going to have those if, you know, a quarterback and receiver have the time to do that. But uh, I didn't really see guys running wide open. I think one crossing route on a third down, um, Carlton Davis got picked, um, you know, and, and obviously if they know you run man-to-man, they set up all the routes where they send guys vertical and the outside guy comes in and, and they it's called a natural pick, but basically you're picking the defender that's covering uh, the receiver man-to-man, and, and, and they were able to recover from it well. They were open enough to get uh, the catch in the first down, but they didn't give up big plays like we saw at times last year. Um, yes, they gave up some first downs, and that's going to happen, but uh, but the, you didn't see guys running wide open, you know, from a busted coverage or things like that. So fundamentally, uh, I think the defense, uh, you know, Mike Bowles and, and the entire staff has, has done a really good job with implementing a brand new system and getting a lot of young guys ready to play and to go play at the level they played uh, yesterday is, is a compliment to him. And they're going to have a, a tall, <laughs> yeah, a tall order this week uh, at Carolina. So, I mean, Bucks fans, unfortunately, are very familiar with that Carolina offense playing them twice a year every year, and it just seems to stick around every year, if anything, get better. So looking at the Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey, Greg Olson, you know, all the different weapons, what do you feel like after seeing this Bucks defense for a game, how do you feel like they match up with them compared to how they have in, in the last couple years? Well, I, I think it's going to help having the five guys on the line of scrimmage or around the line of scrimmage uh, with corralling Cam Newton. You know, that's really was the X factor in the games the Bucks didn't play very well is – as they try to pressure the quarterback, if, if Cam was to escape, I mean, he would have a field day on the ground, and, and therefore they, you know, trying to spy him and keep guys up close to the line of scrimmage in passing situation, which would leave Greg Olson single covered and some guys behind. Uh, the difficult part's going to be the way they do that zone option uh, with McCaffrey, and he had a, a lot of success yesterday. Obviously, I think he rushed for 125 yards or something. So he's a guy that you're certainly going to have to know where he is without taking your eyes off of Cam Newton. So it's yeah. it's not an easy task. And, uh, you know, if you can limit the big plays by Greg Olson and, and concentrate on stopping McCaffrey, then you're going to have to try to keep Cam Newton in the pocket. He's not nearly as effective as a quarterback uh, when he stays inside the pocket versus when he escapes and creates. And as a former tight end yourself, tell us with Greg Olson, what is it about him that we all see that he makes these big plays, that he is so good consistently for such a long time now. What are the nuances? What are the things that he does that really does separate him from so many other tight ends in this league? Well, the scheme of offense helps. Uh, when you can run the ball successfully, um, you know, he lines up at the end of the line of scrimmage and acts like he's a blocker. And in any kind of man-to-man situation you get in, if the linebacker is covering the tight end, and you're successful running the football, all Greg Olson has to do is step like he's going to block, and the linebacker's eyes go into the backfield, and then he's fast enough to get away. And then when they split him out and move him around, he's a very good route runner. So he's able to make moves, get a little bit of separation, and then just his size alone, he can shield the defender and make things happen. But he's a guy that really has the ability to get wide open. A lot of it is through play action. Um, which gives him the advantage because he can run pretty well. Um, and and he obviously, he has very good hands. But he's a guy they, they move around a lot. So they're going to have different guys covering him. It'll be a safety on one play. It'll be a corner on another. It'll be a linebacker on another. 
So they, they intentionally put him in situations to try to get matchups, and they do it very well. If you were to pick a, a player or two on our defense that you think will be most important in terms of slowing Carolina down offensively, who would you say the burden will fall heaviest on? Well, it depends on what aspect of the offense we're talking right, about. Because there's, there's so many to choose <laughs> you're from. You're talking about Greg Olson. You know, it'll be uh, Jordan Whitehead is going to have to have a big day because he'll be up around the line of scrimmage, and if they do choose to run, he has to be disciplined enough to believe it's a run and know it's a run before he – leaves coverage on a guy like Greg Olson to give up the big play behind it. Um, but, it, you know, if you're talking strictly run game, it's going to be the big guys up front to eat up the offensive line so that Levante David and um, Devin White can run freely to make tackles because uh, McCaffrey, he's very good at breaking tackles. He's not a real big guy, but he's pretty elusive. And now flipping it to the other side of the ball, Buccaneers offensive line versus the Panthers defensive line, which now has the addition of uh, someone that Bucks fans may have heard of, Gerald McCoy, <laughs> slightly familiar face on the other side of things. How do you feel like that matchup's going to go? Well, you know Gerald McCoy is going to be the first guy off the ball. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. So when you design your plays and you run your plays, you just have to understand that, you know, he's going to be hard to double team. Um, you know, you're going to have to redirect him the best you can. But there's a, it's a very physical front that they have. You know, they have that tough mentality. Luke Keekley's in the middle of that, who's, you know, up among the league leader in tackles every year. And he's very active, very smart. He's able to diagnose plays and beat offensive linemen and blockers to the hole. So it's going to be a physical game. If they want to run the football, they're going to have to show up and be ready to go on a short week. And then, obviously, to make life easier for Jameis, the passing game and protection – they're going to have to somehow be able to, to average that four yards of carry on the ground. So it's going to be hard. It's, it's hard. You know, we heard Vernon talking about it earlier. Uh, it's hard to play on a short week. And depending on how old you are, the older you get, the longer it <laughs> takes you to recover before the Thursday game. So Gerald McCoy's creeping up there at age. So hopefully he's still sore from last week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think at the end of my career, I, mean, I think it was probably Thursday or Friday before I stopped being sore from the game before. <laughs> Basically, it was right before kickoff when you and started. And the younger you are, you get up the next morning, you shake it off, and you go play. So, you know, and there's a lot of guys that are in between. But, um, you know, it's it's important to take care of your body. you got to do the best you can to, you know, get yourself mentally right because those games are long and – agonizing mentally because of the, you know, the swing back and forth with momentum over the course of the game. But you just have to keep your head down and keep playing. But I think overall the, the Bucks offense will, will do a good job protecting Jameis in passing situations. They'll have to pay attention to where Gerald McCoy is to make sure they have a couple guys getting a hand on him and not leave him one-on-one just because he is so fast off the ball and gets up the field. Yeah, and you, you brought up Luke Keekley and I just am always so fascinated talking to players about him, especially guys on the offensive line, and they'll talk about how they hear him call out exactly what no, they're going to do. Yeah. And I, I just find that so fascinating. What does that do to an offense when they're hearing that happen? <laughs> That's got to be demoralizing. They're like, yeah, that guy's in our huddle. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, but really, I mean, it's from guys, you know, with the film study, like – when you, you know, people sit down and watch a game, but they have it with technology now, you know, as a player, you can pull up every second down for the last four years and second down and three, second down and four, you know, on this hash or that hash. So by film study and game planning, or they also from film pick up tips on if there's a guard that's pulling, 
you know the guards are 6'6", 330 pounds. They can't have their weight on their hand like they're going to go forward if they're going to make a right turn and pull around the edge. So it's hard to disguise that as a big guy like that. It's, you know, you have to shift your weight so you can be able to move laterally. And when you run straight ahead, it's hard to be flat foot and be able to come off the ball on time. So the good linebackers are able to kind of see the tips that are going to tell them where the ball is going. If they see the guard is light in his stance, you know, he's going to know he's pulling. And most of the time it's pulling across the formation. So that's why from watching the film, he can identify where the ball's going. And the problem is the guy responsible for blocking him has to help somebody else first. So by the time he gets there, Luke is already standing in the hole and it makes it very difficult to stop. So um, guys like that, they don't come around very often, um, but when they do, um, they do a lot of damage when they play. He's pretty good. Yeah, that's true. We still have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access, so don't go anywhere. We're going to have more from Hooters here, brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio. Hi, it's JC with the top five reasons you should watch all the big games at Hooters instead of at home. Number one, our nearly world-famous wings. Shaken in your favorite wing sauce. You just can't duplicate that. Two, pitchers of beer served ice cold at your table so you don't miss any of the action. Three and four, Hooters delicious seafood and sandwiches. And number five, all the food and fun served up by the world-famous Hooters girls, of course. See you at Hooters. Everyone likes to be in the know, especially when your power goes out. With Tampa Electric, you can sign up for power updates to get outage alerts for your home. You can even choose how to receive your alerts, whether it's by text, email, or a phone call. You can also visit our online outage map to get restoration updates and other valuable information. Because knowledge is power. To learn more, visit tampaelectric.com slash reliability. Tampa Electric, more power to you. Every day we meet a patient who's defying the odds, raising the expectations, or pushing the limits of their own inner strength. And for each patient who inspires us with their strength, grit, and spirit, we get stronger too. At Advent Health, our expertise and connected network of care help meet every health challenge, hiccup, and hardship with hope, with courage, with confidence. Because when we believe in the human spirit, there's nothing we can't overcome. Advent Health. Feel whole. Come party with us at the Bucks Beach Bash, Saturday, September 21st at Tradewinds Island Resorts on St. Pete Beach. This free event features live music with performances from Billy Ray Cyrus and Parmalee. Enjoy fun in the sun, meet Buccaneers cheerleaders and Captain Fear, play games, enter awesome giveaways, and more. For more information and event schedule, visit Buccaneers.com slash Beach Bash. For the ultimate in tailgating, head over to Lazy Days RV, the world's largest RV dealership. Choose from over 1,500 RVs from the nation's largest selection of RV brands. Plus, at Lazy Days, experience more. Up to $10,000 in exclusive benefits that only Lazy Days offers. And visit Florida's largest RV accessory store for a huge selection of tailgating RVs and a chance to win the ultimate RV tailgating experience. Visit Lazy Days with locations in Tampa and Ocala. Visit them at LazyDays.com or 
stop by. Hey, Florida drivers and motorcycle riders, don't fumble. Do your part to stay safe on our roadways. Florida has observed a significant number of motorcycle fatalities and crashes. Drivers, watch for motorcycles. Don't drive distracted. Motorcycles are hard to see. Take the extra effort to look for them. Riders play defense. Always ride responsibly. Wear proper gear. Make yourself more visible. Get trained and never drink and ride. On the road, safety is worth way more than two points. Brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Buccaneers Total Access continues. Brought to you by Frontier Communications. Live from Hooters, your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back in, everyone. This is our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access, live from Hooters on Hillsborough. Make sure you come out every Monday starting next week from 5 to 6 p.m. And we're here with Dave Moore, former Buccaneer player and radio analyst. So um, if you're going to have to have a short week, is it is it helpful that it's early in the year for yes. an injury standpoint? It certainly is. And just because over the course of the year you, you get that, you know, chronic fatigue um, so, yes, it's, it's definitely an advantage to do it early in the year. Uh, it's an advantage to have a younger football team, which the Bucks have. And, you know, one thing to keep in mind as a fan, I mean, this is a six-month process. And, you know, every week the practices, the way your body feels up and down, and the season's going to go up and down. But the key is it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So as long as the Bucks go out and improve every week and get a little bit better uh, in the areas where they find trouble, uh, they'll continue to improve and then uh, ultimately uh, be sitting pretty good in the end. And you feel like, does the familiarity of the opponent help as well that this is a Carolina team you, you play twice a year every year that yes. hasn't changed a lot? If you're going to play on a short week, you, you like a division opponent. And the Bucks have the advantage because the Bucks have a new os- offense and defensive system where Carolina does not. So, you know, from a game planning standpoint, uh, the players are all familiar with each other and certainly be familiar with Gerald McCoy. But also, you know, it's going to keep Carolina guessing a little bit what the Bucks are going to do as far as uh, game plan was. That's a great point because normally it's both teams would be familiar, so it's not really an advantage. Right. But in this situation, they have a bit of a new system, so that kind of gives the advantage to the Buccaneers in the it preparation. Yes, yeah, just because you have, a, you have a couple less days to, to game plan and prepare. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, well, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, and you do awesome work during the games for everybody that hasn't already done so. you got to tune in to listen to him and Gene Deckerhoff call the games. You guys are, are definitely awesome, and Gene's got to be fun to work with, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, he's it's exactly best. like he sounds. That's awesome. I love it. And thanks to all of you for listening, and make sure you come out here every week, the Hooters on Hillsboro, where we are live, and we'll have a player. You can come get a photo. You can come hang out with us, ask questions, and make sure you tune into the game this Thursday as they take on the Carolina Panthers. We'll have more next week from Hooters on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Frontier Communications. This is Buccaneers Radio.